0: Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale Of yon McCool Cool Cullen Deirdre all the sorrows grawn your wail From giants right down to fairies of the droopin' and solitary And those who are sometimes scary Anything goes by the fireside yeah. Fireside, the book of fireside, the Merrill fireside. Kings and queens, fact and heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the centre cannot hold, Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, And everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, While the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun is moving its slow thighs while all about it reel shadows of the indignant desert birds the darkness drops again but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle and what rough beast its hour come round at last Slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale Of Fionn, who Coo, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, groan you wail Of giants right down to fairies, about both the trooping and solitary And ghosts who are sometimes scary Anything goes by the fireside Fireside, the puka fireside, the marrow fireside Kings and queens, fact and heroes, don't you run from the fun There's no need to hide, sit by the fireside Fireside, Yee-haw. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. O'Lehan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 100 of Fireside. I can't believe I'm saying that. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast we are going to be telling the very apt tale of Khan of the Hundred Battles because today I am Kevin of the Hundred Episodes. But first I want to give a very quick thank you, get this straight out of the way to every single one of my listeners, new and old If this is your very first time listening, thank you so much for joining. Listen to this, then why don't you go right back to what we've been building over to the last two years now. Incredible. And if you are a returning listener, whether you've been listening since the very beginning and disappeared and came back or you started listening last week and have caught up, thank you so, so much for your continued and growing support I love love doing this podcast it has been the single most rewarding thing that I've ever done and I'm in no danger of stopping anytime soon because I keep keep feeling it gets stronger and stronger and that is all down to you that is all down to you who listen each week who who message me on Instagram or on Patreon who support it on the Patreon It's all down to you. I cannot thank any of you enough. Please do follow me on over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Uh, If you want to get in touch, the FiresideBard at gmail.com is the best place. If you're not on Instagram, Instagram is the best place to get in touch with me. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast, where you can join our growing list of very kind and loyal benefactors Oh yes, I wanted to give a big thank you to the newest patron this week, which is John McDermott. He joins Kino Mahoney, Kino Mahoney, beg your pardon, and Ian Skinner as the latest patrons for for this month. As thank you so much to each of you and to all the other patrons. Again, I will just keep saying thank you, thank you, thank you for financing this podcast and financing the project that I'm developing to take this podcast to the next level uh, for 2021. I began things there with, uh, you, with a live version of the Fireside theme. I thought I would kick things off first and foremost with a live version. Actually, I didn't even, because before that, you may have noticed a very, uh, very sinister opening to our 100th episode. I opened with a poem, which is my favourite poem. It is The Second Coming by WB Yeats, because for many reasons, as it happens, last week was the 100th Anniversary of the publication of The Second Coming. It has been my favourite poem for many, many years and it just felt like the right thing to open with the 100th episode. I wanted to open the episode with a bang and I couldn't think of a better piece to open it with than The Second Coming because this podcast, all roads lead back to Yeats. They begin there and they end there so it seemed appropriate that I would open with I think his best best written piece I think a lot of people a lot of eight scholars have been in agreement with that as well but I have a very personal attachment to that piece which I will talk about now but I just wanted to start things off properly by how talking about how we got here how did we get to 100 episodes of Fireside for those who may not have listened to the very beginning or maybe who did and you know don't remember or whatever just because it's the 100th it seems right to talk about the beginning. I started Fireside because I wanted to learn more about my own mythology and folklore. I'd always been hugely interested in folklore and mythology but I knew an immense amount about Greek mythology and German folklore but I knew very little to nothing about my own country and my own nations and my own cultures folklore so I wanted to do something about that now there was at that time at least no podcast out there for what I was looking for and I just started to notice a trend happening because within the same couple of years you had Stephen Fry publish his book Mythos his retelling of the Greek myths you had Philip Pullman releasing a book on grim tales for young and old. You had Neil Gaiman releasing his book on Norse mythology. All of these books became massive bestsellers. And it said to me that there was an appetite that either never went away or that was growing again for the older tales. And Fry, Pullman and Gaiman are three of my favourite storytellers of all time. Stephen Fry, I would listen to anything that he reads as an audiobook, starting, of course, with Harry Potter He is the most incredible narrator of Harry Potter, but he is an incredible writer in his own right as well. His book on poetry, The Ode Less Travelled, was one of the most influential things I've I've read. Um, I only read it for the first time last year, and I've read it twice since, and I'm about to begin reading it a third time. But also, he has just released his third of his Greek myth books, and all of them are incredible. I've just finished Troy, the third part, which follows on from Mythos and Heroes it is the third book and I think it's his best yet because the Iliad which the story of Troy features in is it's the it's the original story of western literature you know it, but Fry just he tells these stories in such an accessible way and he he puts his own personality into them and he's not afraid to break away and acknowledge that he's telling you a story and I love that because it it makes you constantly feel like you're he's speaking to you as a person he's telling you this story he's educating you it's everything I look for when I when I read or listen to an audiobook and it's everything everything I would want to be as a podcast host and as a storyteller and there's nobody better that has that than Fry and then we're Philip Pullman is it's just a master master writer a master writer of prose and again an incredible fountain of storytelling and his books his dark materials is my it's my single favorite uh, trilogy of books it's The Subtle Knife is quite possibly my favorite book ever written and Again I'm a big big fan of audiobooks and I really like it when the author reads them themselves and Philip Pullman reads his audiobooks of The Northern Lights, The Subtle Knife and The Golden Compass. Or the Amber Spyglass sorry The Golden Compass was then what Northern Lights was renamed but don't watch that awful film. Watch the new series on BBC that's really good that's getting it right but Pullman reads his audiobooks but there is a cast of characters in them which I usually don't like I usually don't like when there's a cast in an audiobook and it definitely does take some getting used to but I also get it and the cast is small and they really embody the characters so I think it works very well but his dark materials is is another series that I revisit nearly every year I just think it's the greatest it's the greatest story it's it's got the most incredible characters. It is written for it is aimed at a at a wide audience. You know, it, it is Philip Pullman thinks falsely classified as a children's book or a young adult book because he doesn't like to write for a specific audience or a specific age range. But it really more than any certainly taken for younger audiences novel. It treats you like an adult. It doesn't shy away from anything and it's an incredible book and if you are an adult and you think it's it as a kid's book and haven't read it, please do because I haven't encountered a story that has affected me as much as it and will continue for, for many years, I have no doubt. And then finally, what more can you say about Neil Gaiman? Neil Gaiman constantly, he constantly teaches us all more about, about writing and about storytelling and you can't even take your pick on on incredible books that he's written he is the the widest oeuvre, definitely ouvre. um my favorites including neverwhere and the nancy boys american gods coraline stardust stardust is probably probably my favorite of his of his books and then you come to his adaptation of Norse mythology, which he really condenses and really makes himself his own. And I say many times, I got the name Fireside Bard from Neil Gaiman from a review on his Norse mythology, where it said that Gaiman takes the place of Fireside Bard, and I loved that uh, that phrase so much. But I love Philip, I love Neil Gaiman talking about writing more than any of the others. That's. That's probably where I love Neil Gaiman the very most, is he gives you such a joy for the craft of storytelling and the craft of writing. Neil Gaiman got me writing with a fountain pen um, because I have terrible handwriting, which I'm trying to improve. It's been one of my lockdown, lockdown skills to try and improve is to improve my handwriting and Neil Gaiman writes all of his first drafts he handwrites all of them and he gets immense pleasure out of notebooks and pens which are things that I adore and yes whether you listen to him interviewed on like the Tim Ferriss podcast or read any of his short story collections where he breaks down his craft or just watch interviews with him on YouTube he's just the most incredible person to ...look at and hear talk about the craft of writing... ...and the craft of storytelling. So you put those three in a blender... ...you get the uh, the personal narration of Fry... The, uh, ...the prose skill and imagination of Philip Pullman... ...and the passion and the craft of writing and storytelling... ...of Neil Gaiman on top of an imagination... ...and a, an incredible breadth of work. You put them in a blender you get what i would want to be and what would strive to be as a storyteller and as a writer i would say that they i say that they're the father son and the holy ghost of fireside or rather probably more appropriate to say they're the sky father the metatron and the gallows god to borrow from each of the respective mythologies and folklore that they specialize in so from there to bring it back then to ireland to my knowledge then, and pretty much still now, I would think there wasn't anything comparable really to that that I could find. But a few years ago, I encountered a book by W.B. Yeats called Fa- "Folk Fairy and Folk Tales of Ireland. I just ha- happened to stumble upon it in Hodges and Figgis in Dublin. And that's where we get back to Le- Yeats uh, from the second coming at the beginning because I'd always been drawn to Yeats. I thought it was the most beautiful work. I fell in love with The Second Coming because about 10 years ago, I came across a video of a reading of The Second Coming on on YouTube. Actually, it's even longer, it's probably 15 years ago. And it's an animated video. If you type in The Second Coming WB Yeats on YouTube, you'll encounter this video that is an, a still image of WB Yeats that is animated to make it look like its lips are moving. And it's not credited as those, and perhaps you might not believe me, but it is my granddad reading it. My granddad was an actor in Ireland called Chris Curran. And every now and then, my family discovers another clip, an old ad, or an old, a still from an old stage play he was in, and he is the narrator of this Yeats piece. And he did an entire album of Yeats poems, as it turned out. And he died when I was very young. But he was an actor and a storyteller, Shanna He did everything that I wanted to do. And I very much followed in his footsteps. And I still feel he's with me an awful lot. So the second coming always meant a huge amount to me. Like even if it had been the worst poem ever written, it had a huge influence on me because of the personal attachment. By a astonishing coincidence, it also just happens to be one of the best pieces of poetry ever written. But so Yeats has been with me through my grandad through that, and then when I found this fairy folk tales book, I thought, here's the perfect opportunity to get in more knowledge into folklore and mythology, and f- there was a companion piece. I have them two right in front of me to the book of fairy and folktales of Ireland is Lady Gregory's complete Irish mythology. Lady Gregory, who, with WB Yeats, established the National Theatre of Ireland, the Abbey Theatre. So these two companion pieces of fairy and folklore and Irish mythology, they became the Bibles of Fireside. And through exploring them, and they can be quite dense but they were the starting off point to every other book, every other source online in person that I found and developed for Fireside. They all came from Lady Gregory and W.B. Yeats's two books. And look at us now. And then from then, I can remember the earliest conversations talking to my best friend Rory. He was over filming in Bristol Uh, talking to my girlfriend and I remember sitting in a bar on Camden Street in Dublin with my girlfriend and just saying to her I think I'm going to start a podcast on Irish folklore and mythology and the only other person I knew who really had a podcast was Stephen Colfer from Dream Gun, an incredible sketch comedy group called Dream Gun. They do a thing called Dream Gun Film Reads, satirical rewriting and retellings of, of famous film scripts they have a podcast on it. Check it out. It is hilarious. They're really, really, really good. And Stephen McCoffer was the member of them that I knew the most. And so I just sent him a message. And I said, would you talk to me about podcasting? And he did. And I'll be forever grateful for him for that. And he said, why don't you talk to Headstuff? So I went to the Head Stuff podcast network. I sent on and made a rough demo together. I sent it on to Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary at Headstuff. And they gave me a meeting and a couple of weeks I went in, I met them. They said that they were interested. We talked about the logistics. They asked me, did I know how much work was going to go into it? They told me how it would work, how it wouldn't work, uh, what length it should be, this, that and the other. And all of a sudden I was in the recording studio and we were recording Fireside. And they assigned me with a producer, and editor called Jamie Reynolds And Jamie is who this episode is dedicated to more than anything because as of last month, Jamie Jamie has stepped down as the editor of Fireside. I wanted to wait till now to make the announcement. I'm very sad to see Jamie go as he was my closest collaborator on the podcast. So since Jamie's departure, I have actually been editing Fireside myself. It is not my strong suit, but it is something I always wanted to become better at because I have the equipment and I love recording and writing the episodes and the editing was the one thing I couldn't do but Jamie, Jamie laid out exactly like Jamie is where the sound effects come from he's the one who makes this sound like a professional podcast you know Alan and Patty provide incredibly wise support and have provided fireside with a home, with a studio, with a beginning audience—all of that is because of them. But it's Jamie who made this podcast sound the way it does, and hopefully, none of you out there will have noticed too much like with the changeover. I've I've worked hard, and hopefully, we'll get better and better at editing the podcast together. But yeah, for the last about month or so, it's been edited by me. Uh, but Jamie. Jamie was on board until, you know, episode 95 or whatever and he was sad to go and I was sad to see him go. He's gone back to college and it was a very amicable parting and I'll miss him a great deal. But this episode, the 100th episode, is dedicated to you, Jamie, because I possibly wouldn't have made it this far without you. <coughs> so that far in, we better get to a story. we? This story... It came to me a while ago, it's surprising I hadn't done it so far, but I'm really glad now I didn't, because how could you have a better title name, a better titled story for a hundredth episode of a podcast, and that is Khan of the Hundred Battles. But the more I thought about it, and as I adapted it, the more I realised more and more why it was the perfect story for the hundredth episode. And we'll talk more about those reasons afterwards. But I just wanted to get the story first of foremost, and we'll talk more. This is it. This is the 100th episode. This is Khan of the Hundred Battles on Fireside. Khan of the Hundred Battles. On Lea Fall, the Stone of Destiny, brought from the island city of Falius in the northern regions, brought by the Tuatha Dé Danann and placed at the Hill of Tara. On Lea Fall would give out a shout proclaiming the High Kings of Ireland, Núda, Brez, Lu, the Dagda. All were proclaimed by Fall. But when the Hound of Ulster, Cú Chulainn, had visited Tara with his foster son, Louis of the Two Red Stripes, Fall failed to shout out under Louis's stance, and Cú Chulainn took his sword and split the stone in two. The Stone of Destiny never proclaimed another king and that Tara Hill became unkempt, overgrown, and all but forgotten. A century passed, and a baby was born in the area we would come to know as Connacht, the western province of Ireland. The very name Connacht would come from the name of this child, Conn. But we would all know Conn by a grander title. For when this baby was born in the west, it was said five roads appeared in Era, all leading to the hill of Tara. When Khan was grown, he found himself on one of these paths, not knowing they hadn't existed until his birth. He walked with his three druids and his three poets. There was little you couldn't accomplish with a sword in your hand and three poets and three druids by your side. Khan wanted to stand on the hill of Tara. He wanted to search for the people of the Shi, of the Tuatha de Danann, who had been forced underground by the landing of the Gales. Khan thought if he stood on the hill of Tara and looked in every direction he might see a figure of legend. But what Khan found instead was of far greater significance. The western lad walked up the tallest hill he could find. When he stood in its center, the ground beneath him gave out a colossal cry that reverberated through all of Medha and echoed across the entire island. When the ringing in his ears subsided, Khan turned to one of his druids and asked, What in the name of the gods was that? His druids looked at him. We'll need fifty-three days to answer that. It's always an absurdly specific number of days with you lot, isn't it? Khan set up camp and hunted for fifty-three days. He then returned to ask his druids. Did you think of an answer? Yes. Beneath the hill you stood on was Anlea Fall, the Stone of Destiny, brought by the Tuatha Dé Danann from the enchanted city of Falias. The cry it gave out proclaimed you king, but how many years you will be king is not for us to say. So wait, said Con. I'm king now. The druids weren't so sure. Leafal has not cried out since it was severed by Cú Chulain over a hundred years ago. We don't know how authoritative its word is anymore. But, regardless of whether you are recognized now or later, it is certain you will be king. Before Khan's mind even had a second to wander, a great mist began to shroud the hill. But this was not rain or cloud. This was purple and mysterious. Khan could feel a force pulling him, turning him. Then... They all heard the sound of a horse's gallop. Poets and druids and Khan all looked in every shrouded direction, but they could not tell where the sound was coming from. Look out, cried a druid. Con ducked just in time to avoid the end of a spear that had been launched at him. Two further spears came through the mist, each barely missing Khan and landing in the earth. Khan inspected these, the spears were of a metal he had never seen like solid gold but light as a hazel branch finally the rider arrived through the purple haze the horse was tall and white with fetlocks blowing like rising and falling waves the riders face was covered in an emerald green and gold cloak this was the source of the three spears "'It will be a bad fortune on you for throwing three spears "'at the future High King of Ireland,' cried one of Khan's druids. "'On the contrary,' said the rider. "'I have come to welcome the future High King of Ireland, "'and indeed I welcome you all into my home.' "'Well, that's a fine welcome,' said Conn. "'And where is it that you come from that welcomes kings with the attack of a spear?' All in good time, said the stranger. Come, you must all be cold and hungry from camping on this hill for so long. Neither con nor druid nor poet could argue that. They all followed the rider through the mist a short distance to a golden tree standing at the entrance to a wrath. Like the stranger's cloak, this earth palace was roofed by grass and wildlife with golden structural walls. "'Inside was the warmth and luxury fit for a king. "'The ceiling was made of white bronze "'and there was a fire for warmth "'and banquet tables for feasting. "'The stranger then took his royal place "'at the centre of the fort. "'He invited his guests to be seated. "'He also removed his cloak "'to reveal a shining face more beautiful "'than Khan or his party had ever seen. "'Too beautiful to be Irish. "'Too beautiful to be mortal.' Then a young woman entered, who matched the rider on every level of height and beauty. Surely they are twins, thought Con, or at least from the same family. The woman held a large jug of silver adorned with golden rings. Con got a whiff of freshly brewed red ale. A future brew of smithyx no out. The woman asked the master of the house, To whom will I serve this ale? "'Serve it to Khan of the Hundred Battles,' said the master. "'For that is what history will know you as. "'You will have a long and prosperous reign, "'but none of it will come easy, "'and you will fight one hundred battles between now and your death. "'You will not win all of them, "'but rest assured you will win the lion's share. "'After that we will drink to art of the Three Shouts,' Who is that? asked the newly christened Khan of the currently no battles. He will be your son, said the stranger. The master of the house then proceeded to tell Khan of every member of his dynasty who would follow him, and for how long they would be king. They will name an entire province for you, one to be forever known as Connacht. One day the Irish will be given an option to go to hell or Connacht. Nevertheless, this will be the place where language and culture will be most preserved. Khan was then served the rib of a boar, and he thought it must have been a very large boar because this rib was twenty-five feet long. But between the poets and the druids and himself, the flesh was eaten as the red ale continued to flow. Finally, their host joined them. How do you like your server? he asked Con, referencing the beautiful woman who had served their ale. I confess, said Con, I have not seen beauty to match either her or you. The master smiled. I am glad to hear you say so, because her name is Eru, and she is the sovereignty goddess for which our island is named. She has served you. Now you must serve her. And who are you? They call me Ildanach, the master of all arts. I am falsely called a sun god. I fathered the Hound of Ulster, and now I proclaim you Khan of the Hundred Battles. My name is Lou. To be Continue. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. I'm Conor Reid with words to that effect. How do the Victorians invent time? Where do all those pirate clichés come from? Should we all read romance novels? Her her neck with Why are kids so obsessed with dinosaurs? What makes the perfect detective story? What happens to culture and society in a post-apocalyptic world where everything the- has stopped? Words to that effect tell stories of the fiction that shapes popular culture. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts and at WTTEpodcast.com. And that is the story of Khan of the Hundred Battles on Fireside for the 100th episode. Khan of the Hundred Battles, Kevin, of the One Hundred episodes. Of naturally, I picked this as the story for the 100th episode because it has a 100 in the title. Not too many of those kind of stories. But as I adapted it, as I was reading it, and even in the telling there, it became clearer and clearer why this is the perfect episode for the 100th episode. Because my inner OCD likes the symmetry of episode numbers, hence why I very silly sillily used Roman numerals to number the podcast but every every decade of episodes every you know for 10 20 30 40 has gone quite well in terms of like 30 was the legend of Psy 40 was the wooing of a Tane, 50 was becoming Kukulin. A lot of the round number and the end, the beginning of each set of each ten has kicked off with a really important story and a crucial story to the their respective sagas, and I've really liked that. I've really liked the idea of that to ring each in each new ten, and uh, this is no different than that. But why? This feels like the right story for 100th episode is that all four cycles are in this story. And that's the benefit of having made our journey through the four cycles of Irish mythology and now diving back in. Because Con of the Hundred Battles will begin the next stage of Fireside which will be to go back into Irish mythology and fill in those blanks and gaps that we missed the first time around. And with hopefully a growing scale from my point of view. We may visit old territory, but it will be with new eyes. And the best part is that if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to all these podcasts, when you go back to these stories or visit these new stories that we haven't heard before, all of the rest of that mythology and folklore is still with you. And we have all four: we have the mythological cycle, the Fenian cycle, the Ulster cycle, and the historical cycle. All in this story, we have the mythological cycle in talking about unlea fall, which was brought from Falaise, which was one of the four cities of the Tuatha Dé Danann. We have the Tuatha Dé Danann mentioned right away. We have Núða, Brez, Lú, the Dagda. Obviously, Eru and Lú are central characters in this story. We have the Fenian cycle in terms of actual timeline. Khan of the Hundred Battles lived during the time of the Fiena. In fact, it was Khan of the Hundred Battles who declared war against Clan Boskna, which was led by Cool Fionn McCool's father. He conspired with Gull McMorna and his druid Taig, Taig who was the father of Fionn's mother. So you have Khan of the Hundred Battles ingrained right at the beginning of the Fenian Cycle. And so far, that's, to my knowledge anyway, the only time we have encountered Khan is in that passing moment. But that is much later on. So that's, we have Mythological and Fenian Cycle. Ulster Cycle, we have this story of Cú Chulainn smashing on Lea Fall. When I was doing the Ulster Cycle, I was waiting for that episode to come. I had always known this, that... Cú Cullan was to have smashed on Fall. I didn't know when it happened though. And I had mistakenly thought. That he wanted it to proclaim him king. And that's why he smashed it. It didn't proclaim Cú Cullan king. But turns out that's not the case at all. It was actually this Louis of the Red Stripes. Of the two Red Stripes. It was uh, Cú Chulainn's. Cú Cullan's foster son. And that is. That is a story I hadn't encountered. In my first go through of the Ulster Cycle, and so it was really nice to have that mentioned in the context here. And maybe this is the story that it's a part of. You know, maybe that story only came into being to explain where Unleafall went before Khan stepped on it. And then finally it brings us to the King Cycle or the Historical Cycle, because Khan of the Hundred Battles is one of those King figures who may well have actually existed. He is thought to be an ancestor of many lines much like Nile of the nine hostages and it is just by nature it is the story of the the inauguration of a king and the more I read it the more I actually like it the more I love I thought it seemed a bit simple in Italy. <coughs> I worry that not enough happened. But actually I really like how streamlined it is. And there's actually quite a bit of action in it. And it's very specific action in this. Single rider aiming at. At these three druids. Three poets. And one young connacht man. And throwing these spears. And then the description of this. This house and then these events. It's very like what we had been doing of Fionn McCool in the old man's house and Thor in the land of giants. There's that feeling of uh, being invited into this magical place and things not being what they seem. And I think it might be my favorite of these inauguration stories, which I know we've done quite a few of, particularly in the historical cycle. But it made us—it uh, it made it feel like the very right, the right story to a kick off or dive back into Irish mythology, which will always be the the bread and butter of this podcast, and but also feels like the right one for the hundredth episode, and I'm particularly excited to revisit the revisit Irish mythology because oh I'm sorry my lamp just fell there because I found a book recently I actually don't know if I've talked about it I certainly haven't talked about it enough if I have mentioned it at all I read a book that kind of changed everything and there's a book called Ireland's Immortals by Mark Williams it it was published actually the year that I started Fireside or I think this edition of it was published at least and I had spotted it in Hodges and Vegas a couple of times but I never picked it up properly and I bought it and uh, mark williams the writer is uh, he's a professor of english at oxford to my knowledge and he wrote this book it's it's very much an academic an, an academic account of irish mythology and of the tour De don and that was really what i was looking for though i was looking for to kind of improve and contextualize what i'd learned so far and fill in a lot of the gaps so that i could be because i am always I'm I'm a storyteller you know more than I'm not a folklorist or historian or a mythographer I'm a storyteller hopefully a writer you know and but I still want to big I keep trying to like turn the the men the volume down on my iPad and noise just keeps happening I do apologize if you can hear that but Ireland's immortals was an incredible book for that. So if you're looking for something, it's actually really really readable as well, you know. It's it's it looks thick and it is very much an academic book, but uh it's re I found it really easy to read and don't think just because I do this podcast that I'm on any kind of higher level of of being able to read academic books on Irish mythology. You know, if it was dense, I struggled immensely with Lady Gregory and some of Yeats's books. I think they're incredible and overcame, overcame them, but they can be dense, you know, and you do have to get through them a little bit. But Iron's Mortals was a huge, huge influence because of that, and I'm dying to interview him. I want to interview Mark Williams and I've got in touch with him and he has got back to me. We're just trying to hopefully sort out a time where we can do... An interview over Zoom and recorded, it. it I had wanted to hopefully do it as a special treat for this hundredth episode, but it'll be for another time. And I would just love to have him. I've never encountered someone so interesting and knowledgeable on Irish mythology uh, in person, at least. And his passion for it and his intelligence and his work, the immense amount of research he must have done for it is so evident in this book. And I really want to interview him and I hope that you all get to hear him as well. I'd love to bring him on, hear his point of view, the point of view of of an academic and of a professor of this stuff. And I'd love to have a chat with him and I'd love you all to hear him and then to hopefully go out and buy his book. But I wanted to give, yeah, so his this book changed my opinion on a lot of things. It contextualized a lot of stuff and it made me very excited for diving back in to Irish mythology, having had the brief foray into the wild stories and then into the Norse mythology, the dip into Norse mythology. But there is one final thing I would like to do for the 100th episode of Fireside and... The very first episode of this podcast was of the Giant's Causeway. The Giant's Causeway felt like the right first episode because it was a folktale about mythology. You know, because my understanding of what a myth was and what a folktale was traditionally was that folktales were about people and you and me, whereas myths were about gods and heroes. I think my opinion on that has morphed somewhat now I associate myth more with poetry And myth more as As a literary thing um, As much as an oral thing Whereas I associate folklore as primarily oral I don't know And I ultimately don't think it matters But I do think it's an interesting conversation That does keep following me And keeps coming up on the difference between the two um Stephen Fry had a brilliant description of myth in that myth can inform us about a people and a time without being bogged down in historical fact and basically saying that myth is like learning history but it's fun you know you get the the magic and the crack and the fun of storytelling of fantasy of drama while also learning a lot about a culture because even though myths were about gods that probably never existed they, they were worshipped by people and they they go on you know it it's incredible this idea whether you're sentimental or or not i i just think it's incredible that these stories have been told in some form for thousands of years and this idea that storytelling is this thing that we've always done i think there's something really cool about that and we are all a part of that that is much as part of us and anyone who listens to this these stories are ours they're not mine they're not yates's they're not the person who first told them a thousand years ago they're all of ours and they're one of the only things that we really can share with each other So I just think that's pretty great. And that's why I am in no danger of slowing down the podcast. But the first episode, The Giant's Causeway, that felt like the marriage of the two worlds. Because Fionn McCool was this figure from Irish mythology, but this was a folk tale that was separate to the Fenian cycle. So I always wanted to revisit The Giant's Causeway in some way. And I had this notion that I'd like to write it as as a ballad, as a, as more of a musical piece. And when I was going to do this for the 100th episode, I had totally forgotten that I had written something like that over the summer. And so I had another look at it. I tidied it up a bit. I feel very... Uh, this is the first time I'm showing this to anyone, but I thought it was... I, I'm willing to put myself out there for all of you listeners. This is dedicated to all of you because this episode is... I like all the episodes, Is for you, it's for everyone who listens to this podcast and tells a friend who does whatever. And this is your special treat, final finale for the 100th episode of Fireside. This is The Ballad of the Giant's Causeway. The Ballad of the Giant's Causeway. Immortal gods bereft of prayer turned fairies neath the mound, while mortal heroes grew in scale to giants thunder and ground. And it's of a giant, now I tell, to the fireside gather round. An ageing giant named Fion McCool lived north on Knockmany Hill. Done with his fighting fiend, a clan time was now to kill. Wed to Oon, a singular brilliant and a newborn baby thrill. But thundering cross on Alba's shores was a giant twice the size. A brute named Ben and Donner with McCool set in his eyes. Fion McCool is not very good, he called out to the skies. Fionn answered with a hurling rock, it landed now an isle nice shot, crap shot, said Ben and Donner with a wry and volatile smile Fionn said enough, the die was cast no time to reconcile stone by stone Fion built a bridge, a causeway for the fight a sleeping mountain greeted Fionn, both twice the size and might just before Ben and Donner could wake, Fionn ran back home in fright, that salmon of knowledge has gone to your head, do you feel like a big man? chastising Fionn a thought occurred, and Una's brain began, she said to her husband there and then. I have a cunning plan. Next morning came and soon arrived the great big bad marauder. He roared and cried and called for blood, declaring his world order. A whistle played a brand new tune, The Scotsman Over the Border. The giant soon found this knock many hill to threaten Fionn's survival. But Una answered the knock at the door to Fionn's unexpected arrival. Keep your voice down and come inside, inviting her husband's rival. Una's brave and clever plan was to bake rocks into bread. When Ben and Donner took one bite, the teeth fell from his head. Una laughed, that's the favourite food of our baby in the bed. Ben and Donner looked across the room in search of the infant laddie. A cradle the size of a cottage thatch sent shivers through our body. If that's the size of the baba, he thought, how big's the daddy? The baby ate the stoneless loaf and gurgled in the crib. Ben stuck his finger in the baby's mouth and blood spilled on the bib. The baby bit Ben's finger off, that's no ad-lib, jib or fib. Tearing the causeway apart behind him, Ben ran, feeling half as strong. Back in the house the baby stood, it was Fionn McCool all along. Oona's plan had worked a treat, the source of folklore and song. And the remnants of the giant's causeway still sit on Antrim's coast. A hexagonal basalt, ruin it's not, you now know more than boast. So when you sing of a giant's brawl, to Una raise a toast. And that's The Ballad of the Giant's Causeway, written by your fireside bard. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, that's a couple of firsts. First time sharing a a piece, a ballady poem kind of piece that I've written with you all. First time I've played the Bowron live on a podcast. Uh, That's been one of the... The whistle and the Bowron are two of the things that have been keeping me going each and every day of lockdown. There's no doubt about it. I'm not saying I'm I'm in any way good. I'm not. Uh, I'm quite bad. But uh, playing them, the pressure of having to play them on air and to hear my own mistakes on the air is going to make me work that bit harder and get the better. And got to start somewhere, don't you? So I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, that very special performance was just for all of you, all of my listeners. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed this 100th episode as much as every other episode. This extra long episode with lots of chat when I edit this down I'm hoping it's going to be a bit tighter but I hope that you enjoyed I hope you thought it was all interesting stuff I if you're a listener since the very beginning like please do get in touch you know I love hearing from each and every one of you best place is still always Instagram at Fireside Bard or if you want to message me Via email, gmail.com or at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. I'm starting Fireside as a business. We're launching in the new year. I can announce it properly within a couple of weeks now. We're just kind of launching the website and everything. We're getting a lot of stuff together. Uh, I've started speaking to the patrons about it already because that's a bit more of a closed, closed off audience, but I will be able to announce it to you all very soon. But that is where all of the funding for the Patreon is going. What have we done today? We have done the second coming. We have had the story of Con of the Hundred Battles and we have had the Ballad of the Giant's Causeway. I hope you enjoyed them all. Thank you so much to Alan, Paddy, Connor at Headstuff, to Jamie, the former editor, and uh, who will always have been the one who, who lifted this podcast to the next level. Thank you so much uh, to my family, to my girlfriend, Anna, to my best friend, Rory, and uh, to you each and every one of you who have supported this podcast along the way and i will see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network